My name is Eric Wakeling, and today we are talking about spiritual warfare. And there's already some battle taking place. But uh, when it comes to spiritual warfare, there is a door. There is a door, and behind that door, there is a battle taking place. Uh, all right, so there's a door. Yeah. <laughs> there's a door. Behind the door, there's a battle taking place. Behind the door, there is darkness. And we want to stay inside. We're inside here. On the other side of that door, that's where the battle is. You can, you can hear it. There's explosions. There's, there's fighting. There's sounds of, of bullets whizzing through the air. And, and, and we don't want to go out there. We kind of want to just, uh, like, our inclination is to stay here, to stay safe, and, and, and to be away from that war. And so what we want to do is we want to build up our, our door and make it stronger and make the walls strong and thicken the windows and, and, and make the bricks and extra layers of drywall so that we can't even hear what's happening out there. We're kind of sitting in there and la, 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 right? Like we are, we're ignoring. It's easy for us to ignore what's taking place on the other side of that door. But what we need to do is that we need to engage because whether or not we sit and ignore it or we engage in that battle, the battle is still real. There is an invisible war happening. It's real. There's eternal implications. Lives are at stake. And so I ask you, I ask you a simple question that when was the last time that you honestly considered that some struggle, some relational conflict that you have in your life was rooted in satanic opposition? Have you actually thought about that with things that take place in your life that have a sense of demonic or satanic attack in your life? Because we need to think this way. Now, eh, there's a level where we can get a little carried away and think like every little thing, you know, if we like hit too many red lights, that's like, you know, the enemy made you two minutes late for work. And, you know, I don't, there's a level of too far, but I think that our culture errs the other way. That we, we natural, we make everything natural, we make everything rational when there's this whole supernatural spiritual world. There's a great quote in the movie Usual Suspects that said, the greatest trick the devil pulled was convincing the world that he didn't exist. And so we can sit and ignore the war that's happening out there when what we need to be able to do is, yeah, we're, we're here and there's a battle taking place. We need to prepare ourselves while we're here. We, we admit, we, we recognize that it's real, it's really happening. And then while we're here in this, this safety, we prepare ourselves and then we go to the door. And then we open the door and we engage. And it's darkness out there and it's battle out there. But we have the light of the world. We have Jesus that we take. We don't go into that war alone. We step in. And we step in and we step in head on into that war. We go into the darkness and we take the light of the world, Jesus, with us. So I want to walk us through those, those steps. I want to walk us through how we do this. And give us some real practical things as well as some, some great kind of foundational hope that we have in this. But first, what we first need to do, you've got tons of notes in your bulletin outline. I really encourage you to pull that out. We're going to be looking at it. We're going to be using it today. And it's got some great tools for you to use uh, in the future in there as well. First, you need to identify something as spiritual attack. You need to recognize and realize that spiritual attack 
is real. Uh, Paul said in 2 Corinthians, he's talking about conflict and forgiveness. He said, I forgive so that no advantage would be taken of us by Satan. For we are not ignorant of his schemes. Okay? We are not ignorant of the schemes of the enemy. So we can't, we can't be ignorant, right? We got to make sure that we are aware, that we know what's going on. And so we pray for discernment. First off, we pray, God, give me discernment. There's a gift, uh, a spiritual gift that's talked about in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, verse 10. Even on the kind of the bottom half of this, it says, To another, the effecting of miracles. To another, prophecy. And to another, the distinguishing of spirits. So there's one of the spiritual gifts that are given to us as believers is this distinguishing of spirits or, or discernment of spiritual things taking place, okay? And even if that's not your primary gift, you can ask God to, you know, increase that in you. For your awareness to increase of when things are spiritual, when things do have that warfare Elements uh, I love, and you should read this more. We've talked about this a couple weeks ago, but Second Kings six seventeen says, "Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see." And the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. That this kind of this screen that was blocking the the supernatural from his servant, you know, was lifted. And he was able to see this whole spiritual supernatural realm that's taking place all around us. And so I pray that our eyes would be opened more and more to to being able to recognize something as spiritual attack in our lives. Because there's war happening all the time. There's warfare happening all the time. You know, when, when you're walking in, even in here to church today, and you're annoyed with someone, and it kind of distracts you or robs your focus, if you're in an argument with your spouse, or when you feel defeated, or you feel worthless, or you feel like God doesn't care about you, or you feel these lies about yourself, both good and maybe bad, that are leading to pride and selfish ambition and, and these sorts of things. Like, we have warfare that's happening all around us. Sometimes this warfare is kind of crazy and radical and very overt, and sometimes it's, it's subtle and behind the scenes and, and more covert, kind of digging into our lives in, in different ways. But we want to be able to recognize things in our lives as spiritual attack and then face it head on. Now, we know that our enemy is a formidable foe, right? Satan is, he does have a certain level of strength and power. And we want to, though, not be ignorant of his schemes. And so a way to, to, be able, to be able to understand his schemes includes knowing his names. Okay, the names that are used of the devil or the enemy in the scriptures. Now, we're just going to kind of go through these. Again, these are all listed with the references in your outline. You can dig into these more. We're just going to look and highlight a few of them here. But a few of them, even uh, there's blots on the screen, but one's a roaring lion. That, you know, he is this roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Lucifer means son of the morning, that Satan will appear beautiful. Satan will 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 come like his temptations don't come as things that are ugly, right? The the temptations of the enemy come as things that are alluring and enticing to us, and so he can appear beautiful. He's the father of lies, as it says in John eight 
44. Uh, he is also uh, the prince of this world in John 12, 31. And uh, he is the accuser of the brethren in Revelation 12. That Satan is bringing these accusations against us. You know, that he thinks he can bring us down with these things. And so we want to be aware of his schemes. And really, I think what, what Satan does is he's an amplifier, right? Satan is an amplifier of things that we already maybe have thought about or we know, and he makes them louder, right? So when there's temptations or shame issues or doubts or guilt, you know, and Satan then comes in and takes that and amplifies it makes it louder, and, and it makes it a, a, a voice in your mind that you can't ignore. And so the, the serpent was crafty. The dragon is frightening. You know, he appears as, as beautiful as this bright morning star, but he's the father of lies, and that's what's behind it all. He's bringing lies and lies and lies against you. And so we want to be aware of some of these things that, that he does. And a lot of what we talked about last week and the week before get into that. So, what do we need to do then to prepare? Because that's what we do now, right? We're, we, we've acknowledged that Satan's out there, that there's a battle taking place. And, and now we say, okay, before I hit that door, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prepare myself for battle. So we prepare here for battle. And, and what I love uh, is this, this passage in uh, Ephesians 6, 11 that says, Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. So we're not ignorant of his schemes. And then now that we're aware, we want to put on that full armor of God so we can stand firm against those schemes. And so here's some of what we do to do that. Here's how we prepare ourselves. One is that, and these are all listed again in there, that the names and descriptions of Jesus... Just like we looked at the names of Satan, the names of Jesus encourage us. Okay, they prepare us. They, they remind us who it is that's sending us into battle. Because we are sent by our commander, Jesus Christ. And he is the one with all the power. He's the one with all the strength. And he's the one that is authentic and the original one of all these names. Satan is this great counterfeit, right? He's trying to take all these things about who God is and, and create a counterfeit of them to deceive us. But we see in some of these names of Jesus that when we are in Christ, this is who we have on our side. That Jesus is the Lord saves. It's the core of who he is. That Jesus is the bright <clears throat> morning star. Jesus is the one that's the original of that. Satan tries to twist that Jesus is the lion of Judah, the strong one, the one that is the, the roaring lion that really is the true lion, where Satan tries to bring a counterfeit of that. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the faithful witness. So when the enemy is this, you know, is this one bringing false accusations against the brethren, Jesus is that faithful witness on our behalf. Because he's taken all of our debt. He's taken all of that which would count against us. And he's gotten rid of it through the work that he has done on the cross. That Jesus is the prince and the savior. Jesus is the prince of peace. Satan might want to be the prince of this world for a time. But Jesus is the one who will reign forever. 
And that is the one who sends us in the battle. That is the one who is preparing us and who we go with and who dwells within us. As we step into the darkness, that light of the world is with us and on our side. So we, we got to prepare ourselves in that way to say, yes, this is, remind ourselves, this is who I am. This is who I am in. I am in Christ. And so I got to stop here though and say, are you? Are you in Christ? You might be one that's in this room who's been coming to church and checking it out, but you've never really you know, surrendered your life to Jesus, said, Jesus, you are Lord, and I believe that you are God, that you died on the cross, that you rose again, and I need your forgiveness. I need you in my life to be able to follow you and do this. Because if you have not taken that, that step into that relationship with Christ, you're not protected, you know? You're not in Christ. You don't have that. And, and so we have to have that to survive. And we need Jesus. So I encourage you today to take that, take that step, just to talk to God, to talk to Jesus and tell him that. And, and we'd love to walk you through that later as well in the service. But we put on the full armor of God. We put it all on, all of it, all the full armor. And uh, let me read you this full passage of Ephesians 6, 10 to 17. We're just going to read it and know it. We're actually going to do a series on Ephesians coming up in the fall, so we're not just going to dig down into this passage now because we're going to be doing that this year, and we're excited about that. But, man, this is the, this is the core passage for spiritual warfare. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. You hear that? Not strong yourself, strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. That's what you step into. Put on the full armor of God so you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you'll be able to resist in the evil day. And having done everything to stand firm, stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, which can only be if we are in Christ, to have that righteousness given to us by him, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And in addition to all, see the emphasis on this here, Taking up the shield of faith. Taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so we take that, right? We take up that shield of faith, our faith in God, the strength of his might. And we stand firm and we stand side by side. And when we go in that door, that's what we go with, with our faith in God before us. And the enemy's darts are coming at us, right? And all of that's coming at us. But we stand firm in our faith in God and we can go into that battle with that as our protection, as our foundation, now, we want to give you some additional tools, kind of like, so what do I do? Like, what do I do with that? I always feel like with this sort of a topic, people always have, like, a lot of nice things to say, you know, but they don't ever give me anything to do. And so I want to help you with that. Now, we have to be careful because even as we look at this, these preventative and preparatory prayers, these are in your outline, okay? There's a whole page with these prayers. Now, with these prayers, like, I just, I really have to stress to you, and it says this at the top, this is 
not intended to be like some sort of weird like spell or like incantation okay this is not something you go around and just read and it's like we got to like be careful with that sort of stuff and it's not like hey if you just say these words like things are going to happen just because words are said it's not like expelliarmus or something okay it's different right like we have to think differently about this because what's most important is that we have the authority of the father with us we step into that authority we step into that with a tone and a posture that is strong in the strength of his might and we say these words we speak of protection over our homes over our families for our day to cleanse a space you know of work of the enemy and we say these words with authority we say these words with conviction not because we are strong but because he is strong and so i want you to pray these sorts of prayers and maybe it begins with reading them but then it can become something that's just part of how you would speak and these are the sorts of things you can do daily you can do often we encourage you to do them often praying these sorts of prayers this is how you prepare for the battle this is part of the battle but it's preparing you as you're going to then step in and so now you've prepared you've prayed these sorts of prayers and i, I actually do i want to even share a little bit more about prayer because we, we have some opportunities for you to pray and we we stand together this is one of those ways that we stand firm together as a community with prayer that's the whole like shield of faith it's side by side we're linked we can't be defeated together just like that that roman army was not able to be defeated as that uh would would go forth but we pray and so we have some ways to even help you with that some of these are in the next steps but there's this whole like, cool art installation that's been out in the lobby it's these little canvases like a bunch of these little canvases and on the back of those if you didn't notice or you just have missed this whole thing there's prayer requests that people in our congregation have have written down and so what we want you to do today is to go out there after the service and grab one and take it with you um, some of you will be like, oh, but it's pretty. No, no, just take it with you, okay? Take it with you and then pray. And that's the, that's the battle taking place as you pray for one another. And it's even the National Day of Prayer is this, uh, this Thursday. And so we have this opportunity to pray this Thursday wherever you're at. But hey, we've opened a, a sacred space for you in the chapel anytime, all day, 7 to 6, where you can come and pray for one another. Now... Now we step into the battle. So we come. And we come up. And the way this battle takes place is, as we've said, is through prayer. Prayer. So the next verse that you see on the screen, the next verse in the whole armor of God thing is it's with all prayer and petition at all times in the spirit. We're on the alert. And with perseverance and petition, we pray for all the saints. That's our weapon, you know, as we go forward with the Word of God as the language for many of our prayers, the living and active Word of God, and we go, and we've got the armor, we remember our identity, right? As we step forth, we remember, my identity is that I'm in Christ and I have the full armor of God on me, okay? All of it is on, but what's not in the armor of God as I step forth, the only thing that's not in the armor of God is basically the same thing that was not on the, in the Roman soldier's uniform, okay? Or their, their, their set of armor. And that is the back of the legs, really, okay? It's the back of the legs section. 
Because in the same way the Roman army didn't want their soldiers to run and then get shot in the back, that's the same way we stand firm together with our shield up, that shield of faith, and we come and we step into that darkness, into that warfare, but we step confidently because of the one who is in us, that we have this Holy Spirit of God living in us, and we come in the name of Jesus, with the authority of the Father, and we step into that battle. And as we come in, we stand strong, and we stand head-on in this. And we go, and we fight. We remember our identity. This, this, we, we continually are putting on the armor of God. We know our authority, and our authority, again, comes from God. And so, just like we talked about this last week, Jude 9 the archangel Michael, when he was arguing with Satan, what he said was, the Lord rebuke you to Satan. And so I say, like, I, I want to learn from him. And so those are the words I want to say. I prefer to say, the Lord rebuke you to the enemy. And I come and I remember that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. When I was a, a little boy... Um, I used to be scared of the dark, you know, still can be sometimes. But when I was a little boy, uh, I remember I'd have to go put my, my dog outside in his dog run. It was in the backyard. I'd have to go down some steps. As I'd go down the steps, then I would uh, have a little dog run. I'd go out to put him in his dog run at night. And then, so I remember going out there by myself, and it was dark out, and I'd put him in the dog run, and I'd turn around, and every time I'd hit the first step, I'd have that feeling like behind you. It just feels like something's like coming at you, you know, like that ah, that feeling like someone's behind you, getting you or whatever. And I I remember I was in fourth grade and I learned at my little Christian school, Orange Coast Christian School, we listened to these Gospel Bill tapes. And Gospel Bill taught us a song that went like this. Ready for it? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Now, I was in fourth grade 30 years ago, and I still remember that song clear as day, okay? Because every time I'd walk up those steps and I'd go, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, right? And I'd sing it, I'd sing it. But what's cool is like, it's kind of like those prayers, right? That like, I would feel this sense of God's protection in that moment. And it would, it would give me peace. It would remind me whose authority that I go in in this world. That the Father is strong. He's stronger than anything. And that's who is with us, right? That's whose authority we step into in this battle. But, you know, all these can be just words. If they're, you know, even praying in the name of Jesus can just be words. There were some guys that went in Acts 13 and tried to cast out demons, but they weren't followers of Jesus. And they, it didn't work, and they, they got beat up. You know, they got totally worked over because they were imposters. You are not an imposter. You're the real thing. If you have Jesus in you, you are not an imposter. You come and you pray with authority. You come and you do battle because Jesus has given you strength. We, we don't do this sort of like weak little ask like, Oh, you know, you have some sort of sense of, oh, please be rebuked, you know, I, I hope, you know, kind of, sort of. No, it's the Lord rebuke you. I stand in the authority of God and in the name of Jesus, be gone. That's how we speak. That's how we interact with the enemy. 
We don't need to be afraid. We stand face on and we go for it. Because God is stronger. God is bigger. So let your tone, let your posture be that sort of way. But we pray in the name of Jesus. We pray in the name of Jesus. There's lots of uh, references in there in your outline of, of how or like examples of praying in the name of Jesus. But even in, you know, Mark 5, 8, just again reminding us, this isn't just like you, you get this sort of like little trick that you get to do, you know, like say these certain words and it's all fine. I mean, Jesus interacted with this, uh, this guy that was demon possessed that would break the chains and with the whole like casting the pig story. Well, Jesus, you know, he said, come out. And, and it said he was asking him to come out. And it also then, the demon began to negotiate with Jesus. It didn't just immediately go out. It started to negotiate. Like, no, 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 don't, don't, you know. And so, like, you have to recognize that there's, you know, like there it isn't always just this instant thing. And even in, in Mark 9, it says the disciples failed. They're like, how come we couldn't do it? And Jesus said, oh, well, these kind only come out with prayer. So my, you know, you, you, you kind of make some assumptions from there, right? That there's different kinds, that some have more power than others. There's also this sense that I think the prayer didn't mean just like one word sort of prayer. Like it was some, some extended prayer of some sorts that Jesus was speaking about. And so we need to be prepared to do that kind of battle. And so there's three kinds of battles that I want us to look at. Okay? Three kinds of battles. One is an attack on yourself. And in an attack on yourself... Uh, I mean, it, it, this is just some examples, but the enemy can uh, take often a lot of these sorts of thoughts and try to amplify them in your life. And so again, it's a recognizing spiritual attack sort of a thing, that when, when shame or financial stress or desiring to hurt or kill yourself or something like that, or to do some sort of atrocious act, I know for me, we were in a period like some years back where we were in some financial stressful time. And I remember, like, even and just being super stressed about that, overwhelmed by that. I mean, I'm sure that's just, just me. Nobody's ever felt that, right? Uh, but, you know, in that sort of a time, I remember waking up in the middle of the night with the stress, right? Waking up in the middle of the night. And I remember having thoughts that were crazy, okay? Thoughts like, you know, I bet if you, you could do something where you could, like, steal something and you could, like, make up for that, that debt you're in, you know? And thoughts like, oh, you're a horrible husband, a horrible father. You should just kill yourself. You know, these sorts of thoughts. Like, like, what? You know, and I just like have to sort of almost like shake myself and be, no, that's the enemy, right? That's attack. That's how the enemy attacks us. He goes for our weaknesses. And so I would pray and I'd pray hard. I'll, I'll be honest too. I felt a lot of spiritual attack this week. I probably woke up three nights this week in the middle of the night and felt like a great sense of dread, you know? And I had to do battle. And so we got to do battle with the enemy. And we do battle, and we pray, you know, and we go at it hard. But uh, all these sorts of things are ways that the enemy is going to amplify these thoughts. Guilt or unable to overcome sin or consistent doubts about God. And this can go into real big things like participating in occult practices or being taken captive by some sin or wrong belief. And so we attack it with prayer. Now, uh... This next kind of attack is an attack on someone you know. And that could be someone you know that's just displaying some of those things we've already described. Those are some more of like the more common ways that we would see the enemy attacking or spiritual warfare in our culture is more like that. 
But I would say we have to be very careful to say that this sort of stuff does not happen here because it does. And when I say that, I mean actual, like, demonic uh, manifestations, okay? We've experienced things in people that, have, that go to Calvary, or at least are kind of in our circles here at Calvary. Uh, I, I'll, I'll tell you a story uh, about when I was a freshman in college. When I was a freshman in college, I went uh, on my, my youth group's, like, a little ski snowboard trip we would do every year right after Christmas. We'd, every year, the year before on this trip was, like, this huge pivotal year in my life, my senior year in high school. During these times, we'd have these times of worship and prayer, and that was where I, I had this moment of really confessing some, like, sin that I'd been involved in to, to, to God and to all of my friends and my pastors, and it was this awesome turning point in my life. Well, so then the next year, I came back as a volunteer leader with the junior hires. It was junior high and high school. And uh, we, we had this time of worship. So you've got like a, a guy's bunk room on this end and a girl's bunk room here. And it's almost like this big living room. But it was about 40 people could gather in there. And there's a fireplace. And there'd be a guy just kind of sitting with his acoustic guitar playing songs. And then our youth pastor would be sitting off to the side up at the front. And he would just, people could go up and pray with him. And, and so that little prayer time was where I had that moment the year prior. Well, uh, this year, I remember later on, uh, Rick, my youth pastor, said, uh, he told us that God told him earlier that day that no matter what, this kid Chuck had to come and pray. Okay? No matter what, Chuck had to pray. Said, okay, Lord, you know what? I don't know why, whatever. So, and so Rick was, I, I didn't know this till, till later, till after. So we're having like, so, you know, singing some songs, it's nice, whatever, people are getting prayed for, and I remember then Rick says, hey, Chuck, why don't you come pray? No, 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 I'm good, I'm good. You know, another song goes by, and then Rick says again, hey, hey, Chuck, why don't you come pray, dude, let's pray together, you know? No, no, that's cool, I'm good, I'm good. Another song goes by, and then after that song, Rick asks again, hey, Chuck, why don't you come pray? And I remember thinking like, what's the deal, I just keep asking him to pray, you know? And, like, and uh, then... Uh, Chuck's like, no, 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 I'm good, kind of looking down and stuff. And, and, and Rick says, no, no, Chuck, I want you to come pray right now. And it was in that moment that, that Chuck was down kind of like this in the ground, sitting in the ground, and he got up. This is no joke, you guys. This is super legit real, okay? He just goes, he had a white T-shirt on. I remember this vividly, just a plain white T-shirt. And he just goes, like, literally just ripped the shirt right off of his body, like, in one second. Just, and he did this deep, guttural scream, like, like, no! So I don't mean to, like, super freak you out, but this is super real, okay? And he did this, and just, no! And, and instantly, Rick and the other youth pastor named Paul, the junior high pastor, they just go instantly, and their hands are on him. And Rick goes, Everybody, pray in the name of Jesus now. And so we're all praying. Girls are crying like it's crazy. And, and he's screaming. And it is a physical struggle, okay? It's a physical struggle. Like they are, their hands are on him, but they're holding him down somewhat too, okay? And he is angry and he's responding. And they're praying in the name of Jesus, the Lord rebuke you. And it's going on. It doesn't just like one second. It's going on for a while. And we're praying. Everybody's praying. This room full of 40, you know, youth are praying. And every, they're going hard. And then all of a sudden, Chuck just goes unconscious. He just goes still and lays down. And he's asleep. We check him out. It's fine. But he's just, he's out. 
I remember I was asked to be one of four people that came and helped, and I remember holding on to one of his legs, and we walked him over to the, the bunk room, the guy's bunk room next door, and we laid him in his bed. And he woke up the next morning with no memory of the last three days. Zero. Zero memory of what had taken place in the last three days. And it did turn out that Chuck had been involved in some crazy occultic practices, doing things that he'd opened himself. He'd, he had made a series of agreements with the devil to follow him and ask for a filling of the spirit of the enemy in him, and it was granted to him. And that was an intense battle. And then I remember a lot of sort of filling with good things had to take place with Chuck. I, I wasn't involved in all that, but like a lot more took place afterwards. So that's a, you know, that's a big, that's a big story. I remember that it was a really shaping kind of moment in my life. And there is no way, I don't care who you are or what you come to me with, you will never in your life tell me that wasn't true. Never. Like, go ahead and try. Because <laughs> that was real. That was real. And that was here. That was with a group of South Orange County high school kids. You know? Okay? That's like, this is not some crazy, you know, tribe down in the middle of the jungle in South America. Okay? That was here. So here's some, some of what to do. Now, maybe it's not quite that a, a situation. But when we do have this sense of a manifestation of a demonic presence... We pray in the name of Jesus. In my name they will cast out demons. So first, we recognize that it's demonic. Now this doesn't have to be a full-on demon possession kind of a deal. Okay, We recognize that there is demonic work taking place in some way. So we recognize it. And sometimes you can see in someone that's going to manifest something more uh, uh, like kind of intensely. There's anger. There's opposition to the presence of Christ. There's an active sense of discord against the church. There's mocking what God's doing. Sometimes even physically, there's, there's like a hiding. There's no eye contact. There's head down, covered up, trouble talking about scripture, refusing prayer, these sorts of things, okay? So that can be some of what is going on. Now, you call it out. Next, you call it out. Just call out what you see. This isn't some, doesn't have to be some weird like calling out Belial or whatever, okay? It's just calling out confusion, doubt, fear, whatever that is, calling that out. You know, you don't need to be like, I call out the demon of confusion. You know, you don't have to be all like weird, right? Like you, you don't have to, you know, talk different like that. Yeah, you don't, you don't have to say demon even, okay? Because that's like my biggest fear with any of this stuff too, is if I'm going to come up to somebody and there, I, I feel like a sense of something and I'm like, you know, deaf and dumb spirit come out. And I hit them on their forehead or whatever. And they're like, dude, I had heartburn. You know, like I don't, I don't want to like have that sort of thing happen. And so you're just like, you know, that's where you call out the confusion. You call out the fear. Leave. Fear. The Lord rebuke you. You know? You, you call that out. doesn't mean the person has to be demon-possessed if apathy, if even sleepiness or some sort of bondage, sin, whatever that might be. We call it out and we pray. We pray in the name of Jesus. We pray for as long as it takes. We pray repeatedly. We pray with authority. You now it says here, we pray with authority, like, while retaining your personality. You know, I know I was like, oh, I can, like, get really strong. And that, I, in that sort of a moment, that's my personality is to get like that. 
But, you know, I, you know, whatever you are, you don't have to like fake being someone you're not, but be whatever your version of strong is, because you are strong in his sort of strength. So this could be hard, right? This could include difficulty. I do want to encourage you, like, with this kind of stuff, like, you know, we can get into this more. We are having this spiritual warfare workshop today, right after the service, actually at one o'clock, upstairs in W209, Brandon and Desiree Elrod, who I think are the smartest people I know about this kind of stuff, are going to be there, talk to you about it. I'll be there. We can talk more and just ask questions and, and get into all of this a bit more today. So the goal is healing, okay? The goal is healing. Healing's the most important thing. When Jesus cast out demons, often he prayed for healing for that person. We want this person to experience healing, healing and filling in Christ. Okay, so the third kind of battle is you might experience an attack on ministry efforts as well, okay? That you might be trying to do something for the kingdom. God has called you to do something for him, and you're starting into it, or you're getting ready for it, and you'll hear thoughts of, you're not enough. Who do you think you are? You can't do anything about this, you know? It's not for now, no. I'm stronger than you. I'll take you out, Satan will say. And I gotta... I got to tell you this other story, too. I got to tell you another story. It's a crazy one, too. But it's um, the story of a pastor friend of mine who is probably the most gifted, at least one of the most gifted evangelists that I know personally. He's looking to, get a, he's looking to start a church, but has already got a work going uh, in, this, in a neighborhood. And, I mean, already several people have received Christ for the first time. Like, it's amazing, right? This kind of a, a, a gifted person. And uh, he woke up one day in his house. Went to the ba- into the bathroom to get ready for the day, and he sees on the mirror a big old handprint, okay? He's like, what? What is that? You know, big old handprint on the mirror. This is recently. This is within the last few months even, okay? The, and, and this handprint, he's like, I don't know what that is. So he cleans it off, doesn't think anything more of it. The next morning, wakes up, goes into the bathroom, big old handprint on the mirror again. Thinks, what in the world? Like, what's going on? Uh you know, doesn't really understand. He talks to his wife, and, you know, it's like, like, hey, she's like, what are you doing? Why are you putting your hand in the mirror? You know what I mean? Like, no, I promise I'm not. And it's like, uh, yeah, so they're trying to figure this out. They pray together, and they're praying hard. In the middle of the night that night, this is, this is kind of intense, but he um, had his, he was laying in bed, and he felt the blankets come up a little bit on his bed, and he felt a gust of warm air hit his legs, and he began to be filled with fear. And he just said he kicked out and started praying. You know, he just like, that was like instinct. And he just starts praying and it was gone. Wakes up in the morning, handprint in the mirror. Just happened to be that that night, some friends who were missionaries had, had come into the country and, and come over to their house. And they had a time of prayer over this. They explained what was happening. They prayed. They put, like, they even like anointed it with oil, the mirror or whatever. I don't, there's nothing that says to do that. But like, uh, they did this and they were praying. And the next morning... Six handprints on the mirror. Six large handprints, larger than his size, all over their mirror. And just, you know, freaking out a little bit, right? Freaking out about this. So they invite, like, ask another a friend, another kind of pastor friend to come over. And they come over, and they have this time of prayer where they're going hard, right? They're going big time hard at prayer. They are praying in the name of Jesus. They're praying the Lord rebuke you. They're praying in that authority of the Father. And they're praying for a long period of time. And they're going, they're praying, praying over their children, praying over the rooms of their house, praying over the house. You know, just big prayers. And uh, 
they, they, they pray and then they go to bed, you know, but it starts to become this feeling like every night I go to bed, but they go to bed feeling confident. Never a sign of it again. Gone. Gone. Completely gone. And what he said to me, it's my favorite part of this story because all that other stuff's kind of crazy and freaky, right? But what he said to me was, the enemy thought he could scare me. The enemy thought he could scare me out of doing ministry. But the only thing he did was make me even more confident that what I'm doing is what God wants me to be doing. And he's just even more emboldened knowing that this is what he is supposed to be about. And that's awesome, right? Confidence. That he had this confidence in the power of God. Because the enemy could come at us. And it depends where you're at, right? The enemy might come at you with something different. Probably the vast majority of us are not going to experience one of these wild stories. But we are all going to experience attack from the enemy. And he's going to come at us with whatever way is our weak point. But we stand firm. We stand firm with faith in God that there will be a battle, right? A battle implies there is going to be some back and forth. But we know that we come confidently with God as our strength, in the strength of his might, standing firm together as believers, and we, with our shield of faith before us, we step into that battle and we pray, and we pray hard, and we know that Jesus will fight for us. Because, look at this guys, we do not fight for victory. We fight from victory. We have victory in Jesus already. We have that victory. And we need to remember that that is what we stand firm in. And so as we are about to, to take communion, we're about to partake in remembering what Jesus has done for us together. And as we do that, may we do that in a way that connects us into this topic of spiritual warfare. That we remember that Satan is a defeated foe because of the work of Jesus on the cross. That Jesus destroyed the works of the devil. That our debt, that our sin, that all of the things that Satan tries to accuse us of, they have been destroyed. The works of the devil have been destroyed and he has been publicly shamed because of what Jesus did on the cross. That we are victors in Christ because of what Jesus did on the cross. So as the communion elements come, we take them. We hold on to them and we pray, we remember, thank you, Jesus. As we look at that bread and we say, thank you that you gave your body for us. And we look at the cup and we say, thank you that you shed your blood for us. And that the victory was won through your work. And when you rose from the dead, all power, all power was in him. We remember that. We celebrate it, right? We celebrate it as we take communion. It's not just solemn. There's a, there's a solemnness to it, but it's not just solemn. We celebrate and remember that Jesus has won the war. And so we don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. And that's how we step through the door into the darkness with the light of the world in us and on our side. Let's pray together. Almighty God, We come before you and we, we say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, so much 
that you died on the cross, that you paid the debt that we no longer have to pay, but Lord, we remember today as well that you rose from the dead in power, in power over the chains of sin and death, and that you are stronger than all of it, God. Lord, that we are no longer slaves to sin, but we now serve you, God. We are slaves of righteousness, God. We come before you and we serve you with willing hearts that we go as soldiers into this war, this spiritual war, Lord, knowing that we are free and knowing that we have strength and power in your mighty hand, God. And I pray that even if some of us were afraid at certain points today, that you would fill us with boldness that comes from you, Lord Jesus. That your Holy Spirit would fill each person in this room, each person anew, God. And if there's anyone in this room, again, that does not know you, Lord Jesus, that has not surrendered their life to you, God, may they do that now in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen.